0: Well, good morning. It's a, really a, a blessing and a privilege for me to be here today with you, and I'm so excited to share something with you that uh, I've just been learning myself. <clears throat> and I've called the presentation a message, uh, The Three Doors, <clears throat> The Three Doors of Revelation. And the, th- the three doors are opening to three messages, and I, um, I think it's important to, to look at these because each door can open to us a new marvelous experience in Christ. Each door can open to you a closer relationship with Jesus and with each other. So <clears throat> let's go and jump into it, shall we? <clears throat> door number one. Let's go to the Gospel of of, uh, Matthew, Matthew 25, and we'll read a little bit from this parable that Jesus gave. It's about the kingdom of heaven, and this will be a little review for some of us, but uh, I think there's some new light here that I'm discovering. Chapter 25, verse 1, it says, And then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened unto ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise, and five were foolish, and those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered. And slept. And at midnight a cry was heard Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. The foolish virgins had oil in their lamps for a while, it burned out. They had the Holy Spirit for a while, but they ran out. The foolish virgins are the church members of the true church, God's remnant. The people that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus, but they're foolish because they don't have enough oil. They ran out of the Holy Spirit. Verse 9, But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go and rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. The door was shut. And afterward the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. The master did not know the foolish virgins because they did not have the Holy Spirit experience. They were empty. When the Bible talks about to know someone, it's a very intimate term. It's a very close relationship, like a husband and a wife. And Jesus wants to have an intimate and personal relationship with each of us. But we must be willing to surrender our hearts to Him every day and ask to be filled with His Holy Spirit so that we will have a close and loving relationship with Him. He wants to know you personally. And He wants us to know Him personally cause to know him is to love him the good news is that the wise virgins the wise members of templeton hills god's remnant people were filled with the holy spirit they were praying daily receiving for the holy spirit confessing their sins making things right and they looked forward to his coming And I pray that all of us here will be the wise virgins, the wise church members. Because when we come to the time when Jesus comes in the clouds, we will want to see him. We'll want to be close to him. And he will want to be with us. And he will call us wise. Let's go to door number two. Door number two is a door that uh, is another parable. Luke chapter 11. And this is another parable about the kingdom of heaven and being persistent. Door number two is the door of persistence. Let's begin uh, with, uh, let's say, verse 5. And then he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight, and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves? For a friend of mine has come to me on this journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me, the door is now shut. And my children are with me in bed, and I cannot rise and give to you. And I say to you, though he will not rise and give to them because he is his friend, yet because of his Persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and for him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? No, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It's a friend asking for bread at the midnight hour. Today, I think we are at the the midnight hour of this earth's history. And the bread, I believe, is the Son of God. He's the bread of life. And we have friends, family, that, that need the bread of life, and we need to receive that on a regular basis. And the parable is talking about persistence. And that because we are persistently praying and asking for the Holy Spirit, that He will give us the bread of life. Daily asking to walk in the Spirit. For Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The Door of Persistence We need to be persistently asking. Don't give up. Don't just assume that uh, once we've asked for the Holy Spirit, that's going to be enough. But we need to have a daily conversion experience. Let's go to door number three. This door is found in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter three. This is... uh, a book that the Apostle John wrote while he was on the island of Patmos. He was the last living disciple. They tried to kill him, but after they threw him in a boiling pot of oil, I understand, he was not burned. And they said, well, we can't kill him, so let's put him on an island. And so he was there in isolation, and Jesus revealed prophecy, revealed a future to him. And so he gave him the the prophecy of the seven churches, and it's a a sequence of time periods from his day 2,000 years later until today. And as we look at these prophecies of the seven churches, we find ourselves in the Church of Laodicea, the very last church. This church has a problem and looking at This Church, I see that I have the same problem myself. Let's look at this, beginning at verse number 14. And to the angel of the Church of the Laodiceans, and I suppose we should make this personal, let's say it's his message to our Church here in Templeton Hills. And he says, These saints, says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot, so then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Why are we naked? <clears throat> if we don't have the, the robe of righteousness, then we are poor, blind, and naked. We need the clothing of Jesus. We need his righteousness. Righteousness. In verse 18, I read that I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich in white garments, that you may be clothed, and that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with salve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent." Repentance is a very important part in a relationship. He is asking to have reconciliation with us. When we're lukewarm, when we're cold, it's a barrier of communication between us and Him. And repentance means to have a a warm, heart-meaning apology sometimes. When it's appropriate. And it's something that we have to learn as we grow as to how to repent and be close to Jesus and to each other. But Jesus says in verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Door number one was the need of the Holy Spirit to be consistently filled with the Holy Spirit. Door number two was persistently asking for the Holy Spirit. Being persistent in prayer, being regular with our devotions, regularly opening the Word of God and praying. Door number three, I believe, is a relationship door. <clears throat> Jesus will not barge in into our heart, He is knocking on the outside waiting for us to invite him in to a close relationship. You know, it's fun having family and and during the holidays we get together and we eat and we enjoy a good meal together. And this is what Jesus is talking about here. He says, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. It's a, a sign of closeness, enjoying good food, good times together a good relationship. If there's good food, I always want to be there. <clears throat> I love a good meal. <clears throat> and Jesus wants to have this close relationship uh, with us. And it's our, it's our job, our, our role, <clears throat> to open that door to let him in. Morris Venden, maybe you know who he is, a very well-known pastor who's written some books and given many sermons. Uh, He's now passed on, but his son, Lee, I think is going to be here in Templeton uh, this year sometime. I forget the dates, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. He's an awesome uh, speaker as well. But Morris Vendon has said this, the abiding daily relationship with God leads to an abiding surrender, a moment-by-moment dependence on Him. I'll say it again. The abiding daily relationship, the abiding daily relationship with God, leads to an abiding surrender, a moment-by-moment dependence on Him. It's all about relationships. I think life is all about relationships. And I believe these doors are about, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Is it meaningful? Or is it just superficial? Because that would be foolish. I believe... uh, The most important relationship that we can ever have is the one with Jesus. That is number one. In John chapter 17, in Jesus' prayer, he prayed for you and I that we would be one with him as he was one with the Father. That's the most important thing of being one. He wants to be one with us. The second most important thing in relationships is with our family. It's your wife, your husband, your children, your, your parents, your family. But in order to have close relationships, in order for them to be close and strong, <clears throat> I feel we need to learn how to apologize sometimes because we're not perfect we make mistakes and we hurt loved ones with our words and our actions. And it happens more than I wish it did. One time a pastor asked his congregation if anyone knew of someone who was perfect, you know. A man jumped up and raised his hand and he said, "Yes, my wife's first husband. <laughs> I heard he was perfect." Uh, actually, uh, no one is perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. And he is uh, the perfect friend. And he's also the perfect Savior. Jesus died on the cross for our sins and the guilt and the, the weight of our sins on him caused extreme pain for him. He could feel all the weight of the world's sin upon him on the cross, and he felt him being separated from the love of his Father. It was a horrific experience, and it's likened to the saying that he experienced hell for us. He experienced the horror of being lost, being forever separated from the Father, whom he loved so dearly. And the mental anguish was so intense and so awful that he died of a broken heart. When I think about this, I think, I am so sorry. I am so sorry if my sins caused that much pain for him. And I wonder, how do I apologize to Jesus? Do we just say, I'm sorry? How do we apologize to our kids or, or our spouse or our family if we do something wrong or been unfair or unkind or angry and unreasonable, grumpy, whatever? Do we just say, I'm sorry? How do we learn to apologize? Do we know how to apologize? I think most of us probably learn it from our, our parents, <clears throat> but their role model. Unfortunately, if you grew up in a dysfunctional family where they don't communicate and don't work things out, you're kind of at a loss. <clears throat> and when I was little if I did something wrong my mother would say now Ronnie say you're sorry to your brother you shouldn't ate his cookies <laughs> or whatever <clears throat> and so I'd say I sorry and so I thought that's all you need to do when, when you apologize is just to say I'm sorry unfortunately when you grow up and you have family and you have relationships you do something hurt someone's feelings and you say I'm sorry, somehow that doesn't quite do enough. It doesn't quite express real regret, real sorrow for what you did. And so there's never really a reconnection, because when we hurt someone's feelings, when we say something or do something that hurt someone, there is a disconnection of that relationship. It can be very temporary if you learn to apologize and, and and wound and bring the wound together and fix it. But if we don't apologize completely and thoroughly and, and reconnect thoroughly, that can cause a brokenness and emptiness that can last for years and years. So There's a book out by Gary Chapman called The Five Languages of Apology. Gary Chapman is a pastor. Uh, He's written several books. He's a marriage counselor. And in his research, he found that there are five very important steps in order to have a good apology. And the number one step in apology is to express regret. Simply, you need to say, I'm so sorry I hurt your feelings. I'm sorry I had that tone of voice. I'm sorry I was grumpy. I'm sorry I did that or I said that. You need to express regret and say, I am sorry. There was a movie years ago, and the saying was that When you love someone, you never have to say you're sorry. Nothing could be further from the truth. (laughs) If you love someone, you will always admit that you're sorry. When you say, I am sorry, do not add the word, but— Because if you say that, you're now putting the blame on them because you caused them to do what you did, which caused you to say what you did, and you you lose. You lose. That's not the way to go. Never say but, you just say, I am sorry. And that brings us to number two is to accept responsibility. Accept responsibility. We need to say I was wrong. You know, people will never say I was wrong. I, they just never say I was wrong, because they're always right in their mind, and I understand that. And many times they are. But <clears throat> to have a thorough and uh, re, uh, reconciliation, we need to say I was wrong when we're wrong. Take responsibility. Number three, making restitution. How can I make this right? How can I prevent this from happening again? Zacchaeus was known as a tax collector. And by his, the name only, being a tax collector, everybody hated him. They hated him more than the IRS because he was a tax collector for the hated Romans taxing the Jews. And so they really hated him. And on top of that, many were known to pad their own pockets by charging more tax than what was fair. And so when Zacchaeus saw that Jesus came to him, he was up in a tree trying to see Jesus, if you remember the story. Zacchaeus said, I'm sorry for my sins and I am willing to pay back, what do you say, four times or something of what I've taken from people? And so I'm thinking either he's going to be totally broke and bankrupt, or maybe he didn't steal as much as people thought he did. Nonetheless, if someone thought he cheated them, he was going to pay him back four times. He was willing to make restitution. And it's something that when we have done someone wrong, broken something or did something, it's very important for us to be willing to make restitution. What can I do to make this right? What can I do? Number four, genuine repentance. Feeling broken for causing pain and desiring to do better. When we say I'm sorry I hurt you. <clears throat> if we really don't feel sorry or act sorry, maybe we need to just pray about it and just step back and say what did I do? How are they feeling? What what caused them to feel so bad? Did I is it just a misunderstanding or what did I really do? And he, he did maybe talk to the person? And, and find out, what did I do to cause this pain? What, what, did, what, uh, what did I do? And when you understand it, then you have to understand what they're feeling, why they feel as bad as they do, why it's hard for them sometimes to forgive. It's very important that we be genuine, repentant. That's why when we grow up and just say, I'm sorry, it seems so shallow, so thin, because we don't see the genuine repentance in just those two words alone. And then number five <clears throat> is requesting forgiveness. Will you accept my apology? Will you forgive me for what I said? Will you forgive me that for that tone of voice? I was busy. I was stressed out. I'm so sorry what, how that happened. And... If we ask them to forgive us, that helps to bring back the connection and to talk about it. And so this morning I would like us to pause and to wonder, are there fractured relationships in your life? Have you hurt someone and there needs to be an apology that's really meaningful? Are you having a a close relationship with Jesus? And have you really apologized to Him for hurting Him with with your sins? When our guilt was on His head on Calvary, He felt the pain. And when we call ourselves Christian and we misrepresent Him, it, it causes Him pain. And so, have we really apologized to Jesus? The Bible says that we need to be reconciled to God. There is a ministry of reconciliation. Let's look at uh, that in Second Corinthians chapter five. Second Corinthians chapter five, in verse seventeen, it says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation." Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Fathers, you have the ministry of reconciliation to your wife. You have the ministry to be reconciled to your children. Wives, you have the ministry of reconciliation to your husband and to your family. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, Be reconciled to God. Peter said, repent and be baptized. In verse 21 it says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I really believe that when we learn to apologize And reconcile, we're gonna have a happier home. We're gonna have a happier workplace. You know, sometimes I may say something wrong at the office and you feel the tension. And when you learn to apologize and, and make sure everybody understands your true meaning, then it's just a happier place to be. And the same thing with home when we communicate and we apologize for when we've done wrong things and we're all, not, we're all sinners, we're all needing to do this. And so we can learn this, this important lesson. Then we're going to have a happier home and then a happier church family And I think we'll be able to reach out to others in the community and they'll say, you know, that person really didn't have to say they were sorry, but they did. And that was, it's amazing. But that can only come from the top down. It comes from the Father, through Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and to us. And as we are filled with the Spirit and be connected with Him, through door number one, door number two, being persistent, the Holy Spirit, and door number three, opening our heart to Jesus. Open our heart to relationship with Him. Then we'll have a really wonderful life. Regardless of what we go through, we'll have trials, we'll have problems. But if we can have that close relationship with Jesus, that's what really matters in life, is that relationship with Him. Are you willing to open your heart today and, and ask God to help you learn to apologize and be forgiving? This is something that I've had to learn to do, and I I'm so glad that I have a forgiving and loving wife who has been patient with me as I've learned how to apologize. It's wonderful, wonderful to have a Christian spouse. I'm very fortunate. So I'd like to take a moment of prayer and uh, I'll take the prayer mic in a moment and I'm going to lead us in prayer and I'd like to start by apologizing to Jesus. And as I pray, if the Holy Spirit puts on your mind of someone that maybe you need to apologize to, then confess that silently to God in prayer and ask him to help you reconnect that bridge that, that was broken. If you're able to, let us uh, kneel as, as we pray. Dear Father in heaven, We come to you because we are sinners in need of a Savior. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we we are so sorry that we have sinned. We have this sinful nature, Lord, that we just can't get rid of. Paul said, who can deliver me from this body of death? Father, we have a sinful nature that only you can control. Paul says that we must be crucified with Christ. Not I that lives, but Jesus lives within me, and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me. And gave himself for me. Father, this morning we want to give you this sinful flesh and let it be crucified and let it die and be buried and live within us, Father. For we are wrong. We accept responsibility. You've done everything possible to save us, you love us regardless of what we've done in the past. No matter what sins we have done, you still love us. And we thank you for drawing us close to you. And so, Father, we want to make restitution. How do we make things right? Show us how to pray, how to invite the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, how to be connected with you. Show us how to reconnect with our loved ones and families that we have broken. Show us how to be loving and kind and forgiving to one another. And so, Father, this morning we are asking for you to forgive us. We claim the promise in 1 John 1.9 that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This morning, Father, We need that cleansing. We need Jesus. We pray, Lord, that the blood that was shed on Calvary would not be wasted, but the merits of that blood would be covering our sins, and though our sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Please, Father, give us that experience today. And once we understand repentance and have a relationship with you. Lord, we ask for healing of those relationships that have been broken, damaged, sometimes looks like they're destroyed beyond repair. But Lord, you can heal. You can bring reconciliation through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we ask, Lord, that you would bring that to us. And we accept Jesus as our personal Savior, Lord. And we thank you for all that you have done for us and what you're teaching us. For we pray in Jesus' name, Amen. amen.